it was tough, but at the same time, I also took it as an opportunity to kind of give light to other people who have also been let go. I think it was really important to show that like literally anybody in the space can get let go. Like, you know, Adrian Spire, amazing you know, tenured community person was also recently laid off. And with the Venify layoffs, like my manager, Holly Firestone was also let, let go. And with all these amazing people who, you know, are well-known names in the industry, for them to be, you know, laid off as well, it's not a reflection. That was Tiffany Oda, one of the most recognizable names in the community industry. She is the CEO of Talkbase, a young startup that is building the community CRM for other startups. She's also the co-founder of Community Observations and the biggest advocate for community operations as a unique discipline. In this episode, she'll speak about her experience of being laid off and how she got back on her feet. I had to remind myself it's not personal. It's not about my performance or a lack of my performance. It didn't have to do with me at all. I'll ask her some dumb questions about community operations to understand how it differs from community engagement work. So if I'm choosing the platform of the community, so how to design what are the different spaces is that a community operations responsibility or a manager responsibility? She will also share her unique insights into how to break into community operations as a beginner. Try and just get a job in community to begin with. You know, even being in customer support or being in customer success or being a project coordinator, those are all things that could help you get into community operations eventually. Finally, we'll discuss how she has built her personal brand to what it is today. People just kept saying like, oh, Tiff is ops, Tiff is ops. And then I realized I was like, oh, okay, like the com ops gal. If you're like me, listening to pros like Tiffany can directly help you build your community career. But you probably don't have one hour each week to listen to all these episodes. That's why you should sign up for our newsletter. We recently started to share key insights from these conversations in a more digestible, readable format. So go to beginnermaps.com to sign up for our weekly newsletter. That's beginnermaps.com. Now, let's start the show. Hey, welcome to Beginner Maps, where we showcase stories of scary career pivots so that you get the courage, path, and role models to carve out a career that you love. I want to get started by talking to you about your current role as the CEO. Can you tell me, like, what does it mean to be the CEO of this such a young startup? Yeah, that's a great question. It's, it's pretty crazy. A lot of work to be done. Um, I started with Talkbase part-time actually, just as a strategic consultant, um, a year and three months or so ago, I actually just checked LinkedIn recently and it was a year and three months, um, working to just start to figure out where we wanted the product to head, um, and giving some feedback on features and, you know, helping out Clara, who's the CEO. I think the fact that it's been, it's a community tool that's built for community operations by someone who has experience in community was a very unique uh, situation. And I really, really wanted to be a part of that. So over time, I started off just as one hour a week or one hour a month um, doing kind of like the product feedback. And then over time, it became more and more so where, you know, they offered me a role as head of community, but at the time I didn't want to go back to startup, uh, the startup life. And so I was like, this isn't really the right time, but maybe I can increase my engagement a little bit. So I increased my hours and really started working on relaunching our community, working on some community programs like our um, talk base ambassadors program, really started looking at the roadmap for the community and things like that. Um, and then I was actually affected by layoffs in December of 2022 with Venify, which was my full-time job. Um, and I, you know, talked to Clara and decided to join full-time as COO. 
it is a really interesting and exciting role to be in because as a startup, you know that you're wearing so many different hats. You're, um, and I tweeted about this the other day, it's, I feel like I'm on a trampoline sometimes because I'm spending time up in the air, looking at the high level roadmap, looking at the strategic direction, looking at our, you know, things like our runway and our hiring strategy and all this stuff. But then at the same time, because we're a startup and we're such a small team, I'm writing knowledge based articles, I'm copywriting and copy editing and it's all this you know um you know low level and high level kind of balancing the two work which is really exciting um I do also think that with being CO it's expanded scope so I'm doing more than just community operations now even though community operations is part of my function but at the same time because we're building a community operations tool I still got to be really involved in the community industry and putting out you know, thought leadership and putting out content and things like that. So it's, it's a lot, um, but I've been uh, officially in the role for almost two months now. And it's, it's Yay. been great. <laughs> Congratulations. This sounds, uh, I love your analogy of the trampoline going from the ground level to like spending time in the air. I love it so much. It sounds super exciting. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> do you uh, which which part do you like more, uh, being in the air or jumping uh, from the ground part? <laughs> I think um, I think they both have pros and cons, um, but I love the actually. I don't have a I don't have an answer for that. I love both. <laughs> I love just being able to like be in the weeds and do work, but at the same time, it's so important to kind of see big picture too. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I like it all. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, how many people uh, are there uh, on the uh, team right now? We are 12 people now. Wow. Okay. That is very young. Okay. Very, very young. It's <laughs> <laughs> amazing. And uh, I'm so sorry to hear about your layoffs, but uh, it looks like because you have, you know, um, already been working and you've been, you know, doing things outside of your full-time job that kind of helped you uh, get get back at your feet after the layoff and after being impacted. Yeah, absolutely. I think I came out very, very fortunate. Um, I look at some of, you know, my other uh, community friends and community acquaintances who have been laid off. And even, um, you know, my uh, former coworker, Sophia, who's still at Venify. And it, it's a tough situation all around, not only for the people who are let go, but even for the people who have to remain and pick up, you know, additional work afterwards. I definitely count my blessings that I, you know, already had something that I was working on that was exciting, that I was passionate about, that I could fall into pretty easily. Mm, um, yeah, this is really, really uh, lucky. And also, uh, I guess, like, just pays off uh, the dividends, like the work that you already put in, that you, you could see it paying off dividends. But um, I want to mm -hmm. take a minute to talk about the emotionally challenging part of being laid off because. Um, what happens is uh, with a full-time job, a lot of our like self-esteem is tied into the job and the role itself. And um, when you're you're let go, it can be really difficult uh, and emotionally challenging. Um, mm -hmm. Did you did you face that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, it's it, as much as we try not to. I think your job and your role does become, you know, a part of your identity and you spend, you know, 40 plus hours a week with these people, with this company doing the work. And, um, you know, it, it, all the companies are like, oh, like we're family and all this stuff, but then the layoffs happen and it kind of just shows, you know, how cutthroat and how business everything is. Um, and it's definitely emotionally challenging. I was actually part of the like initial conversations knowing that the layoff was about to happen and, you know, seeing it in the space every day, there were new layoffs happening. Um, and so for me, I think I had to remind myself, it's not personal. It's not about my performance or a lack of my performance. Um, it didn't have to do with me at all. Um, and then for Venify specifically, it, it honestly sucked because 
you know, I was recruited over from uh, Salesforce to Venify. Um, and I thought I was going to be at Salesforce forever. I like was very happy. I loved the team and everything like that. But I think the opportunity to build a brand new community for an existing company. So Venify has been around for a while. Um, they were going to build a brand new community. And being at Salesforce, the community is so strong already. You work to optimize it. You make it better. You work on scaling certain things, which I did. Um, but you know, being able to build something from scratch was really exciting. Um, so and I you was built the Venify community from scratch yourself. Mm -hmm. Not myself. Uh, I did it with, yeah. with my team. But so um, you're laying the groundwork. Oh, that, yeah. that must be doubly difficult because it was. You, it was. Yeah, like a um, baby. <laughs> It, yeah, exactly. And, you know, we wanted to nourish it and see it grow. We never really got to that point. Um, and so I think also just kind of seeing, you know, hearing that community is a priority, that we have executive support of the community and all that stuff. But then at the end of the day, community was one of the functions that was cut um, is kind of also indicative of what other companies are doing as well. It's like, oh, community is great. Community is awesome, but we're not going to give you resources. We're going to let people go you know, we want fast results, all these things that community really can't do. Like we're not, we're not fast results driven. We, it's a slow build, you know, we need to build those relationships and everything like that. So it was tough. Um, but at the same time, I also took it as an opportunity to kind of give light to other people who have also been let go. I think it was really important to show that like literally anybody in the space can get let go. Like, you know, Adrian Spire, amazing you know, tenured community person was also recently laid off. And um, with the Venify layoffs, like my manager, Holly Firestone was also let, let go. And with all these amazing people who, um, you know, are well-known names in the industry, for them to be, um, you know, laid off as well, it's not a reflection. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, uh, I wonder about this, like, um, we're seeing so many talented, incredibly talented people, community people being laid off. And, um, like, uh, like the, the people who are making the decision to lay off uh, the community teams, they're also like, they're not stupid, they're very smart. So where do you think the, um, the dissonance is? Why, why is community being impacted uh, like we are? And let's say, what can we do about this um, like as an industry? Is there something we can do about it? I think, I think we're working on it. I think community is still very new, even though it's been around for a while, a lot of people still don't really understand what it is. And I think the fact that community is so cross-functional, it's, it's, you know, we work with every single team at an organization. And so there's a lot of kind of like dynamics cross-functionally to play. Also, I think because community tends to sit on a different, you know, it's, sometimes it sits on marketing, sometimes it sits on products, sometimes it sits on support, et cetera. So I think clearly defining and establishing community as its own entity and its own, you know, uh, pillar in a company and how it runs um, is important, which I think work is being done. Like there are, there are people who are putting out content. I think there's a lot of education and awareness going on. Um, and then I think the second big part is, and this is also something that we're working on, is being able to easily show the ROI of community. You know, community is not usually a revenue, revenue generating function. And so for, you know, the higher ups who may not know about community, who look at it, it just looks like a, a money sink. But at the end of the day, there's a lot more happening and it's important to be able to show that. And so I know that there's, you know, I've been trying to put out some content. I know others in the space, other leaders in the space have as well in terms of like making it easy to show like, okay, you know, community qualified leads are bringing in X number of actual like qualified prospects and conversions for a sales team or, you know, based off of the product feedback that is getting put into the community, we're able to more effectively create our product roadmap or, you know, case deflection, things like that, like being able to kind of just show that value, I think is another really big thing to try and, uh, you know, get this on the right track and hopefully help prevent future community layoffs. Yeah, I agree with you. And um, like the part where you said that the community industry, how it is so young and that is one of the reasons, like it just tells me that uh, the existing functions, like 
product or marketing or engineering like they're so well established that um like there are so many uh, case studies about some uh, startups who just leaned in very heavily on just one of these functions and then they broke they broke out as a super success but we don't have such a success right now with community where like one startup or one company just leaned in gave it all in the community and then they were successful and i think that's just like a matter of time and once we have that once we have once people see that this there's a black swan and um this is how it looks it will it will play out differently yes yes and no i feel like they need to lean in in the right way though like for example um you know at salesforce everyone talks about the community we have community members who are highlighted in all of the keynotes the big keynotes um you know during all the conferences and everything like that but behind the scenes it's still hard to get resources for community like we were still fighting for headcount we still had to prove the worth of you know certain programs and running certain programs and um you know making sure for example that uh, our community members weren't targeted for marketing or, or sales campaigns. We still had to protect the community members. And so I think even in an ideal scenario, it's never going to be perfect where, you know, you just get all the resources that you need or people understand all of the aspects of community. I think there's always going to be a challenge of educating people on kind of the intricacies of community management and community building. Mm. Yeah, this is very interesting. Um, okay, um, I want to talk about like a little bit about what uh, the individual listening to this podcast they can do to future proof their career against layoffs. Because um, like even if I have not been laid off, like it's definitely on my mind that I may be impacted by it, and um, uh, so it's kind of making me anxious. And uh, if if I'm a listener who is in that position. What should I be doing? Is there something that I can proactively do right now? I would say if you are anxious about getting laid off, number one, know that it's not your fault if you are. Um, and I think you'll just have to kind of mentally know, know your industry, know the trends, like have frank conversations with your manager, even though that per your manager might not know if layoffs are coming either, but just, you know, like share the concerns. And then also from your perspective, start thinking about your, your performance and the impact. So that way, at least if you do get let go, um, and I don't know, usually there's no negotiating, but if you do get let go, you could say, okay, I'm walking away with my head held high. And this is the impact that I had at this company. And this is what I can take to future companies. Um, also, obviously, there's no harm in having an updated resume or having an updated LinkedIn profile at all times. You can kind of just like prepare yourself so that in the event you do get laid off, you can jump back in, you know, and start applying quickly, especially if, you know, you're stressed about money or you're stressed about whatever. Um, at least you have kind of like that backup as an option. Yeah, and maybe also uh, see if there's an opportunity for, for me to help out uh, another company as a, an advisor like you did. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you could do that. Um, I also think that, you know, the community industry is such a small space. Um, name recognition is kind of important. Like you see people who are putting out content and, you know, um, being really active in the Slack workspaces, being really active on Twitter and networking and just, um, you know, being a familiar name. And I think that's really important as well. So if you are, you know, community manager and you're kind of uh, a lurker in the community spaces, maybe start actually getting involved in posting and making sure that people know your name. Right. I love this. I love this um, uh, this advice for somebody who is thinking about chaos and it's on the mind. Um, thank you for sharing it, Tiffany. Of course. Yeah, and uh, okay, now before we move to like the next section, I want to play a little game. So Piyush has actually uh, designed a little game for us. So over to you, Piyush. Thanks, Adesh. Okay, Tiffany. So for this game, I'm going to say some times of the week and you tell me what you may be typically doing by then. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it changes so much from week to week, but I will try. <laughs> okay. So what you may be doing 10 a.m. on a Saturday? 10 a.m. on a Saturday, I'm actually usually at an Orange Theory class. So that's my gym. 
<laughs> okay okay and what about 8 a.m on a monday 8 a.m on a monday i am probably sitting at my desk drinking coffee and in my trello board planning out my week do you do this like as a company exercise or is it your personal uh, planning that's a good question. It's my personal one. I actually usually try and do it on Fridays or Sundays, but Mondays I usually just like do a concrete, you know, especially for the day of, I like to kind of plan out my day. Ooh, and that's like the day of every day, like you start your day by planning it out. Yeah. I'm happy to dig into this uh, as well, because I think it's a really good kind of productivity tip for people. Yeah. Let's dig into it. Like, tell me, tell me about why. Oh, are we pressing pause game? on the game? We can no, finish we the game first. Okay, let's uh, let's actually press pause on the game and dive into this right now. Okay. <laughs> A little okay. bit. <laughs> we'll <just see> <laughs> um, yeah, so I uh, absolutely love productivity and I have tried pretty much all of the apps and tools out there. Um, but really what I found the most beneficial is just, I have a Trello board and I have it laid out where it's, um, I have one future board where I put all of the things that I want to do not this week in the future and I add dates to them. And then I have columns for each day of the week and um, like a completed column. And so usually every week at the end of the week on Fridays or I kind of like to do Sundays because it's just like Sunday nights because it's quiet and it's a good time to kind of get mentally prepared for the week is I will map out each of the days and I'll move all of the cards from the future list to the specific days that I want to do. And then I look at my calendar and I'm like, okay, well, if this takes an hour um, and I have this gap, I'll add in focus time to work on those specific items. And then it's a pretty easy indication of, okay, like I obviously have too many things scheduled for Tuesday. So I need to move, move some cards over to um, Wednesday or Thursday. Also, I have some Trello cards that maybe something, maybe it's a Monday and something's not due till Friday, but I want to make sure that it's done by Friday. I will um, have it on each day of the week. And then after Monday finishes, I'll move it over to Tuesday. And when Tuesday, I'll move it over to Wednesday. That way it kind of follows with me. And then I get to work on it a little bit every day to make sure that it gets done by the deadline. Um, wow. I've tried like using certain apps that try and automate it for you. And I wound up just getting really stressed out because the calendar, like it just became a little bit too much. And so I like to kind of have control over it, which is why I like to do it myself. But just yeah, it's a really good method. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I love my Trello board so much. <laughs> I think uh, we can see the operation side of you on the personal level uh, with this Trello board. Yeah. <laughs> it is a little counter operational as well because I don't like automating too much of it. Like I like the manual, the manual things, but I was the kind of person who had like a, you know, in school you have your planner, the paper planner, and I had different color coordinations and different symbols and highlighters meant different things too. So I think that's just kind of, I love that kind of organization. Love it. That was a great segue. Back to you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Thank you. Okay, what do you typically do on uh, 7 p.m. on a Friday? 7 p.m. on a Friday, I am usually hanging out with friends somewhere, and we're most likely drinking and eating somewhere. <laughs> that sounds like a fun Friday night. <laughs> yeah, um, my best friends all live within, like, a block away from me, and so... We kind oh, of, you know, like the TV, TV. Yeah, <laughs> it's really nice. So we kind of live the Friends TV show lifestyle. Like everyone's always over. Oh. Everybody has a key <laughs> to my place. And so <laughs> I'll stop by anytime, which is really nice. <laughs> I want your life with me. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And lastly, what do you do? Uh, what are you maybe doing 10 p.m. on a Wednesday? 10 p.m. on a Wednesday, I'm probably, that's a good question. What am I doing 10 p.m. on a Wednesday? I'm probably laying in bed watching TV or being mindless on my telephone. 
no works on like uh, after dinner. I actually, stuff. I will sometimes do work stuff after dinner, but I do try and have a 10 p.m. cutoff um, just so I'm not like, I, I need some some downtime. I can't just shut off my computer and go to sleep. I like to, you know, um, like spend some scrolling time on my phone or reading a book or something like that before I go to bed. So 10 p.m., no matter what, if I'm not done with work, I don't care. I'm going to shut it down for sure. But I do, I do tend to work at night sometimes too. Like okay, it. back to you, Nitesh. <laughs> that was a you. fun game. Thank you. <laughs> Thank <Yay>. you. <laughs> this is the first time we're going to have... be doing this game. So, uh, yeah, it was fun. We're going to include it more often. <laughs> yeah, no, I, yeah, that's a, that's a fun one. <laughs> All right. Uh, so uh, now I want to talk about community operations and give the listener a feel for um, what a community operations, typically a community operations role may be about. So uh, actually, just can you start by telling me when did you first realize that community operations can be its own discipline? I think the realization happened over time while I was at Salesforce. So I started at Salesforce as a program manager and my role was to, um, you know, manage community programs. Over time, I realized whenever I was managing a program, it'd be like, okay, I'll handle the tech stack. I'll handle setting up the application. I'll handle the documentation, et cetera. And then community manager person will handle the comms plan or will handle the engagement or will, you know, work on the, the copy for the emails things like that. Um, and over time, it kind of became more of, I kept hearing more and more. So TIFF will do the ops and then so-and-so community manager will do the, the engagement, blah, blah, blah. And so I think over time, I also realized that, you know, community managers are amazing at usually one side of the brain. They're the people who are amazing at the rapport building, the relationship building, the being personable, um, you know, being kind of front um, front of the house, being out there with all the community members. But when it came to, you know, setting up an integration or thinking about scalability, that wasn't their area of expertise. And, you know, same thing with like engagement and growth is not necessarily an area of my expertise. Um, and so as time kind of continued to progress, um, people just kept saying like, oh, TIFF is ops, TIFF is ops. And then I realized I was like, oh, okay. Like, it's community operations and it's unique. It's not operations like everybody else does, but it's unique because we do have a community manager hat on as well. We do, we are still, you know, we are still front of the house. We are still engaging with our community members, getting their feedback, making sure that they have all the tools and resources they need to be involved in the community. But at the same time, you know, we're not, we're not the ones who are out there engaging all day, every day. Um, and so that was kind of when, I started using community operations as its own term and worked on, you know, getting my title changed and, um, you know, really making it a designated part of a community team. Just like you have a community coordinator, you have a community manager, you have someone who works on engagement. Like I want, when you think of a team structure for a community, I want operations to be on that diagram love it and that the fact that you went to ask your title to be changed to be called community operations um why did you uh, what did you do uh, ask for this change in the title um because it wasn't program management i mean i think part of operations is program management um obviously i think you know your um creating like the project plans and the work back schedules for various community programs. But at the end of the day, it's so much more than that. You know, like a program manager shouldn't necessarily be working on migration for platforms or, um, you know, vendor assessment. If you want to work on implementing a new platform or anything like that, like there's a lot more to operations and program management is just a piece of that. Um, and then I also realized that it is a pretty unique niche that I don't think a lot of people think about. Um, I think all community managers have to do it to some extent, just because we're all small teams and we just don't, we don't have, you know, the support or the resources. Um, and so I just really wanted to make sure that people 
or aware when they're doing operational work for the community. I like this, and uh, I like your analogy of how it is doing the uh, the backhouse work of the community. Um, like, can you give me? I want to make it like really concrete. So, can you give me some examples of things that community manager might do, and then some things that the community operations manager might do? Yeah. So you mentioned so, engagement. That mm -hmm. is a community manager talking to customers, community members, community manager. Um, tell me about uh, community operations. Yeah, so community operations, I think first and foremost, we're kind of the, the admins for all of the tech platforms, the tech stack. So for every platform that you use, whether like, let's say your community is hosted on Insighted or even Slack, we're the ones who are setting everything up, um, making sure that, for example, um, you know, even in your CRM, you're tracking your community members, you have you know, a way to onboard them. Um, you can track their activities and what types of posts they're doing, Analytics. things like that. Analytics. Um, you are also working on like the integrations, like making sure all your platforms are talking to each other and that you do have data flowing between them. You're also working on documentation and the documentation can be both internal documentation. So let's say someone applies to be a user group leader and someone on your team is reviewing that, you can make the documentation on like, this is how you access the list of people who have applied. This is how you accept or reject them. This is how you push them through the, you know, the funnel to the next step. You're also working on front of the house documentation of like, hey, you want to be, you want to apply to be a user group leader. This is how you do it. Or this is the, this is the application. And Operations is the person who is also setting up that application form um, and make, making sure that all the information is captured. Um, we are also the people who are looking at like process bottlenecks. So for example, you know, to that point of the user group leader applications, let's say, you know, you're reaching 500 applications a month and you only have one person to do it. How do you scale and automate that so that this one person can still handle 500 applications or even more if the program continues to grow. Um, so looking for bottlenecks, looking for kind of like risk areas where the team might not be able to sustain that momentum, um, running reports, um, obviously the platforms. And then obviously there's just a lot of like ad hoc requests. So from a, from a program perspective, every program that a community launches, whether it's ambassadors or super users or an event series or, um, you know, pretty much anything, there's operational components to it. How do you set it up? How do you track yeah. it? Things like that. So we're, we're doing kind of all of that behind the scenes to make sure the that community makes, is running. That makes a lot of sense. I mean, uh, I, I've fallen into a lot of trouble when, uh, I organized like an event and then realized later that, um, the, the event page and the Zoom that we were hosting it on, they weren't really talking to each other and there was like uh -huh. a last minute problem. And um, we were all, you know, uh, we had to be in an emergency mode in the last minute. And it seems to me that this problem would not have occurred if somebody was taking care of the operations side and thinking about operations as its own thing. Yeah, exactly. And I'll give you a very specific example that happens a lot is, let's say in your CRM, you're tracking your community members and there's a field for country. Um, mm -hmm. And right now it's a free text field. So people are writing, you know, for example, United States, US, USA, U period, S period, A period, all these different things. And you're trying to run a report to see how many community members you have in the US. You can't easily run that. And so operations is also looking into things like that of being like, hey, rather than a free text field, maybe we make this a drop down so we can report on it more easily. It's kind of just like being able to, to that trampoline point, be able to be in the weeds, be able to kind of see that level of detail, um, but at the same time, also be high level and be like, hey, so at this rate and this growth of this program, we're going to need to work on automating to, to save time later on. Otherwise, we're not going to be able to keep up. So it's kind of, you know, maintaining the balance of all the things. I'm curious, um, what about user research? So doing research about community for feedback, who, who would that uh, fall into uh, responsibility of? So from a surveying the community member perspective, like let's say you run an annual community survey or feedback survey, it's it 
from my experience, it has been the operations person who leads the initiative. So in other words, putting together a doc where the team can input questions, um, creating the actual survey itself, putting together the results, like that stuff all does fall into operations. But the line between operations and community management is very thin and it's sometimes blurred. So it is important, like we don't function in a silo. So as a community operations person, I would give them the platform and the shared document to put their stuff in, but I need their, I need the, the rest of the team's input too. So I want to find out, you know, like if someone is interested in engagement, they can put in engagement related questions. If someone is interested in, you know, let's say liaises with the product team, I want to get their input in too. And then from my perspective, it's giving that platform, making sure the questions make sense and what order the questions are in and what types of questions, like, um, is it a free text field? Is it a multi-select? Is it a drop-down? Is it a scale? Things like that. Putting it together, making sure I run it by the team in order to make sure it looks good from their perspective. And then obviously the logistics of like who to send it to, where to send it, how to send it, all the things, like, are there reminder emails? How long should that survey be open for? And then, you know, putting together all of the all of the results, like that kind of falls under my, my area. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And uh, one more thing, what about the architecture of the community? Um, so if I'm choosing the platform of the community, so how to design, what are the different spaces? Is that a community operations responsibility or a manager responsibility? Yeah, that would fall under operations um, in terms of kind of the, the tech stack, how they talk to each other. And a lot of my job is also working cross-functionally with all the different teams. So like if your community has its own CRM, but it's different than the CRM that the company uses, they still need to talk to each other. They can't just be two separate CRMs. So I work with, you know, the, the stakeholder who manages you know, the, the company-wide CRM and making sure that those data is flowing. Or same thing with um, support. Let's say you use a, like a Zendesk or a service cloud for support cases. I will work with the support team person who manages that to also make sure that we can capture community support cases, or we have visibility to what people are asking about. So we can put up a an article in the community about it or something like that. So it's not only your community tools and tech stack, but you, ha you have to talk with like the company as a whole and figure out how does your tech stack fit into all the other tools that the company uses as well. Wow. Okay. Um, this clears things up. Now I have a very, uh, like a very complete picture of the difference between a community manager's responsibilities and an operation person's responsibilities. Thank you so much. <laughs> yeah. And, and to just clarify, I'm not saying one is better or harder than the other. I am awful at thinking of engagement initiatives and making sure that I'm posting in the community every day. I definitely get like paralysis when I'm like, uh, what should I post in the community? Like, how do I get interest? That's not just like, how's everyone's day going? Or like, Hey, let's share wins with each other. Like that kind of stuff, you know, I'm, I'm awful at, um, and it's just what people, people, you know, you, you want to know your strengths and you want to know what you're good at and what you like doing. And so I think that's why I tended to lean over to the operations side. Um, but it doesn't mean that, you know, I, like I could do what a lot of community managers out there do. Well, okay. It seems like I might be a better fit for a community, community operations role than, I, I am for the current community manager role that I'm in because I myself feel like this. Um, I don't know. I feel like I'm an introvert and I feel uh, very um, uh, uncomfortable whenever I'm thinking of these messages to post or um, I often do not post them. So uh, is, is this like the type of person who may be better suited for operations? Uh, it. I think it depends. I mean, it sounds like if, you know, if you are a single person community team, you're going to have to do operations just to run your community as well. Um, but I mean, yeah, maybe if, if you feel like you're not, you know, the best at thinking of things to post in the community or coming up with engagement initiatives and excitement and, you know, all that, like maybe, maybe you're better suited for ops. Right. I love it. And, um, how should, uh, how should a person, uh, you know, 
think about moving from a community manager role to a community operations role. If they're right now working at a company where they'd be solo community professional. So how can I plan my transition? Um, so if you are a single person community team and you want to work more on the operational perspective, I think first you need to think about what stage your community is at and what like a full-time operations person would do. So highlighting kind of those bottlenecks and highlighting the areas of operations that are needed to get done, um, I think is going to be an important kind of like business case to show that you need a more dedicated operations person and then fitting in, fitting yourself into that role. Um, I also think a big part of operations and being in community operations is um, understanding community to begin with. I think that's kind of one of the unique factors. And so I do think that you should spend some time, you know, doing engagement initiatives and doing the other side, just so you kind of understand from an operational perspective, how to support that. So if there's, for example, like a trigger that you can set up to welcome new members or after the member has been, you know, in the community for a month, it sends a trigger of some kind. Like, I think that there's a balance between building a personal relationship and like a, a manual message versus kind of, you know, automated ones that um, you can send a little bit more to scale. Um, and then I would say, just talk with your manager and let them know that this is kind of the direction of the community that it, the direction the community is headed and how to best support the community as it grows. If you are just looking to, you know, like for your next new role at your, like a new company to be operations, then I would start thinking about all of the operational things you're currently doing, documenting them. And I think there's a huge value in showing quantitative stats of before and after. So like, you know, when I first started, I was doing this, this many times, um, afterwards, now I'm doing it this many times, but I've also implemented automations, which save five hours a day or something like that, you know, and being able to kind of just think about all of the things from an operational perspective you're doing and adding that to your resume. Right. And, uh, when I'm searching for jobs, then, um, what types of, what stages of company would be more likely to hire a specialized uh, community operations person? Yeah, that's still a work in progress. And I think it varies <laughs> from company to company, especially depending on like, does the community lead really understand community and see the value in a community operations role? I would say from what I've seen in this space, it's probably going to be like as a older startup or greater or older that would have, you know, the budget and hopefully have kind of that baseline community um, to actually, you know, be able to support having a designated operations person. Um, I think, yeah, I, I don't think any startups would necessarily have a designated person or even a community or a company kind of like Venify. I think Venify was a special use case, but for, for example, Venify was an established company already and working to start off a community. I feel like first they would most likely hire a, um, a generalist who can do both or someone more focused on the community management side. Right. So I'll be better off looking at uh, companies or startups that already have a community team, but um, may not have someone specialized for the operations. So then uh, I can maybe pitch myself as the operations specialist. Uh, the team. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, I also do think that because community is still a little ambiguous in terms of like where it sits in a company, if you're interested in operations, you can also look into like marketing operations or customer success operations or sales operations. And there is a lot of overlap, I think, between what those functions do with what community operations do. And if that team works with the community, you will by nature also be doing operational work for the community. So that could be a good segue as well. Right, and uh, this is this is what you started off at Salesforce, right? Uh, it wasn't a community operations role. What was the exact role? The it was a role? program manager. Okay, right. So mm -hmm. maybe program manager roles. Um, I can look into program manager roles as well, right? 
Yeah. Yeah. And I think there's a lot like you, there's, um, a couple like operations associate roles. Um, my direct report at Salesforce was a community coordinator and she wound up actually focusing on a lot of the operational components. Um, there's project manager, program manager, um, and then there's even been some like product related ones that I've seen out in the space that are like more focused on like the product itself. So I think, yeah, just reading the job descriptions and kind of looking for the operational pieces, you'll find more that more jobs that you can apply to than just looking for community operations. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that makes sense because it is again, such a, uh, new discipline that the, um, the language is not really out there, the language of speaking in terms of community operations, amongst, especially amongst the leadership of companies. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Okay. And uh, I would also say, yeah. sorry, last thing is I would also say be open to just like regular community manager roles too, because, you know, even though we talked about that being kind of like different skill sets, at the end of the day, if you are looking at a startup or looking at a company where community doesn't yet exist, you might still have the community manager title, but there's going to be so many operational things that you're going to be doing anyway. Um, so I would say just be open. Yeah, yeah, totally. I think that's a, that's a great advice. And um, I, I found that uh, you can, you know, uh, do more of the operations work and then um, the engagement work, even if it's not, uh, you know, what I have done, even if it's not my... Uh, strong suit, I can uh, do and lean heavy on the operation skill set and the organization part. And I, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, and, uh, okay, uh, now let's talk about the resources to uh, uh, learn more and upskill myself in the operations. What resources mm-hmm. can you recommend? Oh, great question. So I personally, love both the um, community club and the CMX Slack workspaces. I think there's amazing people in both of them. There's a lot of overlap between the two, but if you want to start networking and start connecting and getting resources, I think that's a great place to start. There are, um, I have made it so that there are community operations channels in both of those workspaces as well. So you started that. Um, Yeah, I definitely had a role in having both of them there. So I would, you know, be sure to to join the community operations channels in both of those workspaces. I would also recommend joining the talk-based friends community um, because we are also focused on community operations. So that's another good place. Um, I... Start. I feel like this is going to start being a little bit of self-promotion, but I do also have a course on Community Club C-School that's just on community operations. Um, I would join my, my observations community, um, and I also have a blog where I try and post a bunch of things for ops as well. That's why you are the most popular community operations person, because you are <laughs> literally the person creating these resources and leading the charge for this industry. Thank you. Yeah, I, I, I'm trying. <laughs> there's a lot of there's a lot of amazing people who do operations out there, though, too. Tell me about them. Like, uh, tell me about some of the other uh, operations person that you draw inspiration from. Yeah, well, um, first and foremost, um, my observations co-founder, her name is Cassie Mays, and she's the operations person for the Atlassian community team. We were, and, you know, for those of you who might be starting to dabble in community or starting to dabble in operations, for a long time, I felt very isolated because I was just the only person doing back of the house things for community. And in the community spaces, there's all these amazing community managers, like talking about, you know, all the the front of the house things. But I was introduced to Cassie, we started talking and it was amazing of like, oh, wait, you just chose this vendor too? Or, oh, you encountered this issue when you're migrating or all these things. And I was like, wow, like, we are, we're doing the same thing. And that's really cool. There must be more of us out there. So we decided to start this meet up. We have like 350 members now. Um, we are, I thank you. It's, it's kind of crazy actually just, yeah. <laughs> and, um, 
Yeah, Going we're from trying you to thinking push that you're the only one in this space to 350 members who are joining you. Yeah, exactly. So we're not alone. Um, and she, you know, is kicking butt as an operations person. Like I, I use her as a sounding board for a lot of the things. She's great with platforms and the tech stack and great at kind of being able to lay out projects in an organized manner. And um, she's amazing. I think Jamie Lanskov is also an amazing community operations person. She just started her own consulting business as well, um, focused on kind of like exec uh, exec community communications and education and kind of working with exec teams. Um, Andy Claremont is another amazing community person. He's really good at like the tech stack perspective in terms of integrations, um, configuring platforms. He's really up to date with all of the different tools that are out there. Um, and then of course, my former skip level manager, Erica Cool. Um, and Brian Oblinger started the In Before the Lock podcast, um, I think like right at the beginning of COVID or something like that. And that is truly the best community podcast, in my opinion, that's been out there because they dig really deep. They go into the nitty gritty. They show actionable ways to actually do things in the community. Um, and a lot of it's kind of, there's there's a lot of the man community management and building side, but they're also operational geniuses who talk about operations very deeply in the podcast. So that's that's all great too. Wow, yeah, we will link to all these people and their profiles in the show notes and uh, people can just learn more about them. Yeah, no, they're, they're, they're people who I definitely look up to and uh, follow as well. Amazing, okay, and uh, tell me like, uh, what do you do in the community observations community? What is it about? And um, yeah, just tell me about it a little more. Yeah, so I think there's a couple main goals for observations. The first one is just to introduce operations people to other operations people. So, um, you know, just there's like networking and there's chatting and we try and make the, the Zoom chats as interactive as possible. But we do monthly monthly virtual meetups. Each one has a theme about something related to operations, and it's a combination of guest speakers who have experience in those areas, um, to Cassie and I talking, we've done a couple panels, um, we're thinking about maybe doing like workshops of some sort as well, um, but really just diving into like these are real life projects that an operations person would do or obstacles that we would encounter, or, you know, these are some best practices from learnings. I um, mean, you know, I think with Atlassian and Salesforce, the experience is very unique because those communities are so large and the companies are so large. And so bringing that unique perspective, as well as others who work at smaller companies that are a little bit more relatable to maybe like the average community size, um, it's, it's a really good well-rounded, you know, group of people. Um, and so we just try and share best practices, thought leadership, um, tips and tricks, lessons learned of things not to ever try or do ever again. Um, and yeah, so our next one is actually on the 28th of February. Um, and it's about um, next, week. Man, next week. Yeah. <laughs> In exactly a week. <laughs> yeah. The, the podcast will be out uh, probably that same day. So, um, we okay. may not be able to get the word out about that one. That's okay. So I'll just say, uh, we'll share the recording if you have, <laughs> if you're listening now. <laughs> um, but yeah, exactly this time next week, I'll be, I'll be in that meeting and it's on um, managing and maintaining vendor relationships. So working with CSMs for all of your vendors that you're working with and how to make that successful. Love this, love this initiative. I am definitely linking to this as well in the uh, show notes so people can learn more and check out the recording for next week's workshop. Awesome, thank you. <laughs> okay, uh, and now Tiffany, I'm gonna take us into another game that uh, Piyush knows of time. So uh, Piyush, over to you once again. I'm a fan of your games, Piyush, bring it on. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, everybody. Thanks, Adesh. Okay, for this game, uh, I'll be a 20-year-old, fresh out of college. And I'm going to present some scenarios and you tell me what I should do in those situations. Okay. So just to, just to reiterate, you're fresh out of college and you need help. Yes. Yes. Okay. Exactly. Okay. Case one. I don't know what I want to do with my life, but I don't want to do what people around me are doing. 
what should I do? I would say you want to say yes to all the opportunities that are thrown at you or that you're provided with and be proactive on reaching out and networking. So if you don't know what you want to do, talk to people in all the different fields and find out, you know, what does that entail? Like if I feel like when I was in college, I knew about the main the main work items, like I could be a, an engineer, I could be a doctor, I could be a lawyer, I could go in marketing, but there's so many other things out there besides just like, you know, the, the main things that you hear about all the time. So get out there and talk with people and see what they do and see what the role entails and see if it's something that you would like. I would also say that there's nothing like direct experience to learn real fast if you like something or not. I started off my career for a hot second in marketing and public relations, and I had an internship and I hated it. And I was like, this is not for me. And I was also pre-med in college and I had one quarter of an internship in an emergency room and I couldn't do it. Um, and so, yeah, just getting out there and kind of, you know, free internships suck. Like they're, if you're not getting paid, but at the end of the day, like being able to kind of play the field a little bit and see what's out there and figure out what you like, mm -hmm. I think that's the best way to do it. Hmm, that helps. Okay, now, I just landed my first job, but I'm very ambitious. So I want to accelerate my career beyond what normal people do. What should I do? Um, again, I would say, say yes to everything. So if they're like, hey, like, are you interested in doing this project? Say yes. If you're like, uh, you know, and think about things that are outside of your job, um, so don't ever have that, like, that's not my job mindset. So be like, yeah, I can, I can run this email campaign, even though if you're not in, in email marketing or whatever, you know, just say yes and be open to new things. I would say also always be in the mindset of learning. Even for me, I'm still learning things every day. Never, like never lose that humility and that openness of, and wanting to learn, um, but also just know your limits because I was really ambitious and you can burn yourself out very easily. Or if you sign up for too much um, and you get too much on your plate, things start falling through the cracks and then you actually do worse for your career because you're not doing everything right. So make sure you prioritize, but yeah, like do things out of your comfort zone. Okay. And what if I'm looking to break into the community operations in the next six months with no prior experience? because I'm fresh out of college, what do I do? I would say kind of to our earlier point is try and just get a job in community to begin with, um, or even some front of the house role where you're doing front of the house stuff. So it's like, if you, you know, even being in customer support or being in customer success um, or being a project coordinator, those are all things that could help you get into community operations eventually, maybe not in the first six months, but, um, you know, that's how I started in the space was support, onboarding, customer success with a lot of project management. Um, so I think, you know, having those skill sets and just learning the basics, um, I think will be good. And then find a mentor in the community space that is maybe focused on operations. Okay, thanks, Yeah, I wanna uh, actually, I love whatever you said, all your uh, pieces of advice, and I wanna double click on what you just said in the end about finding a mentor. How can I uh, go about finding a mentor? Because this is something that I personally struggle with. Yeah, um, you obviously, I think, wanna find a mentor that's a good match for you and understands, you know, the state life or your career that you're at, um, and also has the time to help you. I, I, I know I was, you know, part of a couple of mentorship programs where I just didn't see the value. It was like, oh, we meet monthly and we force this conversation to happen and, you know, nothing really comes of it. So think of what you want out of the mentorship. Is the, is the end goal for you to get a job? Is the end goal for you to, have, you know, a, a long lasting relationship where they can uh, help you throughout all the stages of your career. Um, there are some mentorships where it might just be for a set amount of time, like, hey, I will help guide you to landing a job and then you're good or, you know, something like that. So figure out what you want from a mentor, from a mentor. And then I would say, just start looking on LinkedIn, um, you know, start networking again, 
um, maybe even ask friends in the space. So like if, if anyone out there is listening and they're looking for a mentor in the space, like feel free to DM me on any of the things and I can, you know, see kind of where you're at and maybe look to see if I know anybody who would be a good mentor match for you. Um, but don't just choose anybody just because they have more experience or they're in the field. I would say like it needs to be a good personality fit as well. And they need to be able to have the time to commit to you because it's, you know, I I think some people take the role of being a mentor pretty lightly um, of just like, oh yeah, I just have conversations with my mentor every month, like, or mentee every month. And it needs to be more than that. Like it needs to be recurring conversations, even between those meetings. Like, are you slacking together? Are you like checking in on them? You know, things like that. Um, And for example, I've had a couple of mentees where I'm like, hey, okay, like we need to update your resume. Can you send me this? And they don't send it. And I'm like, hey, remember you need a new job or remember you wanted a new job? Like, let's, let's get this done. Um, Cause I am, I am bought into your success and I am invested in you. And so you want that mentor to be invested in you. I love it. And uh, what made you like, uh, I'm just so curious about understanding, uh, like what made you uh, invested in their success? Do you personally know them? Is that why you were invested in their success? Yeah, usually what I, when I pick up mentees, it's, um, I've like worked with them in some capacity or um, have seen the work that they do. Um, And then sometimes they'll ask, sometimes I'll even be like, hey, like I see a lot of potential in you. Are you looking for a mentor right now? Um, But it's not just like a random match, you know, like yeah i i don't think those tend to work out too well at least from what i've seen yeah hey, this is amazing of you that you uh you know try to reach out to people and offer help or uh you know being their mentors uh i wish someone uh as uh we know would have asked me and uh we me and Pierce discuss it so often like we wish we had a mentor that uh you know we can look up to but um this this helps uh thank you Tiffany. yeah of course <laughs> Okay, um, I'm gonna uh, take us to the last round of the uh, this episode uh, where okay. I'm gonna talk about how you have built your personal brand. So we've been talking, and uh, you have obviously built a very formidable brand as the community operations person. So, uh, but you obviously would not have started there. You have uh, you started out with uh, doing something completely different. How, how did you get to where you are now? I have to credit a lot of my, like, I would say my, I guess my name recognition to my opportunity at Salesforce and my time at Salesforce. I think because the Salesforce Trailblazer community is so, um, uh, what's the word like that I'm thinking of? So admired or so well known in the community space. Um, that was already a huge, like kind of step up for me. And then I would say speaking at events, Um, and I found a niche area that I think also helped very much. I mean, there's so many, you know, um, so many people out in the space, like, what is your specialty? Like, what's your forte and what makes you stand out from the others? And then just saying yes to everything. So saying yes to, you know, being on podcasts and saying yes to speaking at conferences and saying yes, if people reach out for collaboration opportunities, um, it's, it's a lot of work, um, but I think I find a lot of enjoyment out of it. Um, and then I also think, you know, doing these things is, is part of the way, but then also you want to establish yourself as a thought leader and have unique perspectives on things and sharing it with others. So I think that's why, you know, putting out my blog and I've been working on kind of like branding the ComOps gal as like my, my personal brand, which is still fairly new. Um, and just like making sure that people know what, what you're good at and what they go to you for. So people know like operations, oh, like I should ask, I should go ask Tiffany, you know, um, and then I would say the last thing is it's really helpful to have conversations with people. So whenever anybody reaches out, they're like, hey, I was wondering if I could grab some time on your calendar. Like, I'm really busy and it's very difficult, but I do try and at least have, you know, one to two, like 15 minute, just quick meet and greets a week. 
um, just to kind of like expand my network, make new friends of you. So if, you know, they see someone asking like, oh, hey, like I have this question on ops, they'll be like, oh, you should reach out to Tiffany. And then it kind of expands your network even further. So I would say those are kind of the main things. Love it. And uh, is this like the new um, get, how did you get to the uh, advisor role uh, at Topsy? Was it through one of these networking calls? Um, funnily enough, we had put out a call for speakers for a community observations meetup that we had. And Clara reached out wanting to speak at the, at my meetup. And then, um, so she spoke at the meetup and we, you know, we started chatting and then she told me that she was thinking about quitting her full-time job as a community manager and starting her own startup. And if I'd like to like hear about it more later when it's been more developed and I was like, yeah, absolutely. And then that's kind of how the conversation started. <laughs> this is incredible. I love it so much when, uh, you know, people's side projects give them new career opportunities. Happens more than you think. So if you're, I mean, that's another thing that I would do. Um, and then, you know, if you're straight out of school, you don't have a full-time job yet, like reach out and, you know, you see companies that you're interested in, there's no harm in just reaching out and being like, Hey, I'm brand new. I know that you may not have a full-time job, but I'd love to like, you know, do a project or help with X, Y, Z. Um, and I'm really just looking for experience. Like, you know, you never know. They might be like, yeah, that's great. Yeah. This is really cool. I love it. <laughs> Okay, and uh, what are you doing uh, today outside of your uh, job? So you mentioned you are um, you're writing articles for ComOpsCal, which is your blog, right? Mm -hmm. Love the name ComOpsCal. Thanks. <laughs> you are uh, you're taking one to uh, to one to do like um, meetups and uh, virtual coffee chat requests. Uh, anything else that you're trying to do? Um, we actually are also expanding community observations and we are making a podcast. So we're it. creating our own. Yeah, we <laughs> haven't yet recorded our first episode, but we've talked about it a lot and we have all the, all the notes written. Um, we have our first 10 episodes lined up. So we just kind of need to sit down and actually start recording. So that's, that's, I think the big one. Um, and then also I'm trying to figure out like, I want to speak at more conferences this year. I really loved that CMX Summit was um, in person. It was really nice seeing everybody. So really trying to line up my conferences for the year too. That is great. I am so super looking forward to hearing you on your podcast, Disney. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Hopefully it's good. <laughs> it will be. I'm sure it will be. All right, Tiffany, that's all the questions that I had. It has been super fantastic chatting with you and learning all about community op operations with you. Thank you so much for having me. This was such a great conversation. And um, just want to say for anybody who's out there who's um, just starting, it's, it's a scary, very stressful time. Don't be too hard on yourself. And, you know, you'll get there eventually. We were all in that, that position once and it's hard. You're competing with so many other people and you have no work experience, but all the jobs are like, you must have three years of experience and all that, but you'll get there. Just be open to learning, network and uh, have an open mind and you'll, you'll get there. <laughs>